Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. Welcome back to Fireside Giants, my friends. Alex Anthony here coming off another Giants win. Big Blue Victory, Victory Monday. It is feeling good today to be 7-2, and two, whether you think they're the worst team in football or the best team in football. You can't argue with the record at 7-2, and two, and I'm feeling damn good despite some iffy performances yesterday, a little bit of uh, you know mishaps here and there, a lot of depth, a lot of uh, penalties because of that depth and a lack of experience, but the Giants still managed to find ways to win football games, and that is the most important thing. And if you haven't heard yet, Andrew Thomas remains elite, didn't give up a single pressure on 24 pass blocking snaps. But today, we're here to talk about Kenny Galladay's response to uh, being benched at halftime, um, what he had to say about that. And then we're going to discuss the Giants kind of looking at the playoff picture saying, okay, you know, is it worthwhile to go and maybe try to sign an Odell Beckham Jr. right now that can help off the free agent market to bolster this receiving game? Because, you know, Darius Slayton, massive credit to him. He has looked fantastic. Isaiah Hodgins looks like what Kenny Galladay was supposed to be. Um, He already has more yards than Kenny Galladay with 41 on the season compared to Galladay's 22, which is absolutely just embarrassing at a level I can't even begin to fathom and, and describe. But um, I think Isaiah Hodges is a nice young piece we could build around and at least, you know, give some more targets to. Um, and then, of course, you got Juan Dale, who I think they could do a better job scheming the ball too. But then Saquon, the masterful, um, you know, magician, the guy who just has not been able – no one can stop the man. And he's been proving his worth every single week here. But, you know, Anthony, before we dive into Kenny Galladay, take a look at the playoff picture and what the Giants should do moving forward here. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing great. It's a victory Monday. The Giants got another clutch win Sunday afternoon over the Houston Texans, improving the record to 7-2. and two. And even better, the Cowboys lost later on that night. So that puts the Giants pretty firmly right now in second place in the division. We've got an easy stretch of games here and then a really difficult stretch of games to close out the season. So as we kind of discuss whether the playoffs are a real conversation or not, Definitely think they are, but it's not going to be an easy battle getting in. I know that the Giants have a little bit of a lead right now for that playoff race, but again, that final month of the season could end up being pretty brutal for them with a lot of divisional opponents on the schedule. Kenny Galladay, though, happy that he got benched. He deserved to be benched. Honestly, at this point, I have no idea what the future holds for him other than the fact that I'm almost certain he's not going to be a New York Giant in the year of 2023. So ready to go ahead and discuss these topics, Alex, so take it away. Yeah, so Kenny Galladay, man, I know it's kind of a beating a dead horse here, but I wanted to give you guys the quotes that he had to say just so you get an idea of what he's thinking after these moments, right? So Mike Kafka spoke to Galladay at halftime yesterday, told him that they were going with Isaiah Hodgins, being benched for a guy that was just on Buffalo's practice squad who just got called up to the Giants this week. There's no level, there's nothing more disrespectful than that if you're a player, you know what I mean? If you're Kenny Galladay, I mean, I know he's feeling disrespected, but it's warranted. You cannot drop easy crossers. You know, he doesn't have the same step, doesn't have that same burst. He wants it off the line of scrimmage. He just, his whole game is falling apart and deteriorating, um, still getting paid. So, you know, he definitely should be putting in maximum effort, which I don't think he he's trying not to be, you know, impactful and not, and not you know, withholding effort. But I think catching the football is your job. You're being paid $60 million to do so. And when you have as many drops on the year as catches on the year, it's definitely a problematic situation. So when he was asked about it after the game, he said, it's definitely unacceptable. I take pride in catching the ball. I really hope so. You're a receiver in the NFL. Um, they, asked, they asked, basically the question they asked, did he understand the coach's rationale this time around for benching him? He said, it really doesn't matter. I'm going to keep that comment to myself. So 
you know, the first one was kind of iffy. He dropped the pass. It could have gone either way. It was a little bit out of his reach. The second one was one of the worst drops I've ever seen in my life. You know, inexcusable drops. Um, He said, it's tough. I'm going to keep pushing through. Uh, though, and, and you know, this is a guy just trying to kind of dance around the questions. Obviously, knowing me knowing the type of player I can be and what I want to put out there on the field and what's been going on this year, that's the hard part. You never know what can happen week to week. This is what Brian Dable said Go, go out there, try to have a good week of practice, take it day by day. We just made a decision to play Isaiah, simple as that. And I'm not surprised, you know, like receivers are supposed to catch the ball when you're paying them that much not to catch the ball. You might as well go with another option. That was a big play that could have been a 30. 35 yard run. It was nobody even close to him. And he was running across the field. And when you have open opportunities like that, you got to capitalize. Sometimes those are the difference. Those, those plays right there are the difference between winning and losing games. And if you're going to mess that up, you're going to drop the ball and you're going to potentially lose a game in the future. The giants cannot do that. They can't stick with that. They got to go with someone who's maybe more reliable, someone who may be worthy of more opportunities and who actually wants to be there. And seems like they want to put their best foot forward. It seems like Kenny maybe has already cashed out and he's kind of just like half assing at this point. Um, I really don't want to say, uh, you know, he he's he just was in it for the money, and now that he's got paid, it's you know he doesn't really put in the maximum effort, but it kind of seems like that. Um, nonetheless, I give him credit for staying quiet and and not really fighting back for all from all the criticism. God knows he was booed to to hell to Kingdom Come yesterday um, at the game, but I'll tell you what, Anthony, you know, after hearing his responses, you know, how do you feel about him right now? I know he's losing opportunities left and right, but it, it seems like he's just kind of being quiet and, and not really showing much energy and, and much fight and, and wanting to be out there. Yeah. I mean, he's losing those opportunities, but it's justified. You know, he's being outplayed by practice squad players, as you've mentioned. I mean, David Sills was better than him this season. Isaiah Hodgins just picked up off of a practice squad signs with the giants and he's playing better than Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay doesn't seem like he's as hungry and as motivated as these other guys who are coming off of the practice squad, trying to prove themselves as capable players in the NFL. These guys are hungry. They want to make the plays. They're not having concentration drops like Kenny Galladay is. The concentration drop, you know, the first one, I agree. That was kind of out of his reach. That was a tough catch. Would have liked to see a little bit more effort from him on that one. But then the second one is just flat out a concentration drop. Your head is just not in the game. I don't know what was going on there, but that is one of the worst drops that I've ever seen. A very short, easy catch, shallow crosser with a lot of room to turn up field. That cost the Giants a very big potential play right there, that drop by Kenny Galladay. So looking at his responses to the benching and kind of looking at what Brian Dable is saying as well, it seems like they have a pretty clear understanding between the two parties that it's kind of just not working and it's never going to. Kenny Galladay seems to understand that he's not going to be going out there and playing a full amount of time as he has in the past. And Brian Dable is also kind of talking up the other guys, right? He sounds really impressed with what Darius Slayton is doing. He sounds impressed by what Isaiah Hodgins is doing. I think he's just going to run with those guys and kind of kick Kenny Holiday to the side and say, whatever, we don't need you. And honestly, the Giants don't need him. As I said in yesterday's post-game video, uh, Kenny Galladay is hurting the Giants way more than he's helping them. He is not providing any help. The impact that he's having is overwhelmingly negative. So for the New York Giants to continue to put him out there on the field, first of all, they're only taking snaps away from younger players who have more potential. And second of all, they're literally hurting the offense when Kenny Galladay is dropping passes. So I don't expect him to play very much. I know that this week, it's a homecoming game for Kenny Galladay. He's going back, or well, he's hosting the Detroit Lions. He's going to see a lot of familiar faces, play against his uh, old team, and that might be a reason for him to be excited, want to go out there, dominate, get his first career touchdown with the Giants. That would be a nice poetic story here, but I don't see it happening. I don't see Kenny Galladay even playing that much this week because I think that the Giants made that decision at halftime to bench him, and I don't expect him to overturn that decision uh, going into this week's game. Again, 
He's being outplayed by nearly every single wide receiver on the roster. He's only harming the Giants offense. It's very unfortunate to say. It's super disappointing. A player that I had a lot of high hopes for when he was signed by the Giants. But so far, the Giants have not seen any positive returns on that signing. That's absolutely right. So let's take a look at something a little bit more positive, and that's the playoff picture, right? The Giants are 7-2. and two. They are very much in the race for a postseason appearance right now. Um, the question is, you know, what's the record looking like? How probable is it? And should they really be thinking about that right now? And in my opinion, they should absolutely be thinking about that right now because they have a pretty favorable uh, – you know, I'm looking at it. It could go either way. I'll let you guys decide, but Anthony, I'll, I'll read it off to you and you can give me your take. So you got the Lions coming up. The Giants are like, what, seven-point favorites. So you got a 66% chance of winning this game, according to ESPN. Um, you know, they got a pretty solid team over there in, in Detroit. You know, they got Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, you know, of course, they got Goff. They have Jamal Williams. They have DeAndre Swift. Uh, they have some talented guys. The defense is a little bit spotty. They give up a lot of points, um, maybe a lot of it spotty, but their offense can hang with the best. So if the Giants can put pressure on Jared Goff, they can put him on the ground, they can win this game. The question is, Amon Ross St. Brown, that's their top wide receiver at the moment. He's absolutely electric. Can you limit him? Can you limit the running game? The Giants did a really good job. And honestly, Dexter Lawrence has been just uh, unbelievable. They took him out for freaking two plays, and suddenly uh, Houston, Damian Pierce is running 60 yards down the, the middle of the field, and you're like, oh, what the hell just happened? Dexter Lawrence is such an important part of this defense. Um, he needs to be extended <laughs> immediately. I um, mean, he's, he's going to get paid. I know they got the fifth year option for next year, but they got to extend that man. He is an all pro level defensive tackle and he's only seemingly getting better. Um, you know, this is a player who is essential to the interior of this unit, but looking at the lions, definitely a beatable team. I'd say similar to the Jaguars, similar, maybe a little bit better than the Texans, similar to the bears. Um, you know, a team that we can definitely beat here. Then you got the Cowboys, who have a tremendous offensive line. Maybe we have Evan Neal back for that game on Thanksgiving, which would be awesome. But it is a short week. So the Giants play four days after they play the Lions. That's really annoying because their bodies need time to recover. They're going to have to jump right into it. Um, that definitely sucks a lot. Uh, for the Giants, uh, you know, especially just on the short week. But then you look at the Commanders. They're not a very good team. The Giants can definitely win against the Commanders. So you look at the Cowboys, Commanders. Uh, Cowboys are tough. They just lost to Green Bay, um, and we beat Green Bay, so therefore we should be able to beat the Cowboys. And then you have the Eagles, who are just insane this year. What are they, 7-0 and now? Um, 8-0, they're really difficult. So that'll be a tough game for us. The Commanders, again, who are, you know, definitely, I, I would say, favorable for us. Then you have the Vikings, who are just also playing out of their minds this year with, uh, you know, that Justin Jefferson OBJ-style grab yesterday was just ridiculous. And the Colts, definitely a beatable team at this point in time. They got the Eagles again. So, you know, when you're looking at the schedule, I'd say it's about a 50-50 in terms of, like, they could win 50% of these games. They could lose 50%. Maybe they, if they pull off a, a big win against the Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, or Colts, that definitely would give them a, a little boost there. But, you know, I'm looking at this team finishing 10 wins seems very realistic to me, which would be a playoff appearance, in my opinion. Um, I think the Eagles probably win the NFC East, but I think a wild card appearance, a wild card spot for the Giants definitely is doable. You know, when you're looking at the schedule, Anthony, how are you feeling about the playoffs? Who do you think some of those more important games are, are the ones that could go either way? You know, which ones are you circling on the board? I mean, I'm looking at all those divisional opponents, particularly that Thanksgiving game against Dallas, I think is really important for the Giants. And of course, our two matchups with Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia, of course, the only undefeated team in the NFL right now. So that's going to be a huge matchup for the Giants going in there. If they could steal a win out of one of those two games with Philadelphia, then I think you're talking about the Giants having the ability to make some noise in the playoffs if they can go ahead and beat Philly in the regular season. So I do think that at this point, 7-2 and two on the season, if you take a look at the playoff picture right now, the seventh seed has a 5-4 and four record. 
Uh, the sixth seed has a, yeah, so a five and four record. That's actually not even, the Giants have a two game lead basically on the playoffs. It would be a blunder. It would be a total downfall. They would have to implode completely in order to miss the playoffs at this point. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But when you're looking at the Giants schedule, it is pretty difficult and they are going to have a tough time going ahead and getting all these wins together to secure that spot. But if they can get those three wins, as you mentioned, Alex, and finish with a 10 and seven record, I think that the Giants comfortably make their way into the playoffs. Now, how well do they perform in the playoffs? That's the question. I don't know. You kind of look at this team, see the way that it matches up against some of these other heavy hitters in the NFC. And it's not going to be an easy road through the playoffs without a doubt. But getting to the playoffs, the Giants did a phenomenal job in the first half of the season, capitalizing on those favorable matchups, getting those wins and putting themselves way above 500 and having a very successful first half of that season. So looking at the second half of the season, as you mentioned, there are a lot of crucial divisional games. Those Washington games, the Giants need to sweep Washington this year. That is the low-hanging fruit of the division. The Giants need to go ahead and pluck that right away. But the Cowboys game and those Philly games, those are the ones to circle. Those are by far the most important games left on the Giants' schedule. Again, beating Dallas. Dallas already has the upper hand right now, beating us earlier in the season. So we need to at least win that and hopefully get the tiebreaker on them uh, through the records. And then, of course, with Philadelphia, that's going to be a tough matchup. It's been a tough matchup for every team that Philly has faced. Again, they're the only undefeated team in the league. So if the Giants can go ahead and steal at least one win out of Philadelphia, I'm going to feel really confident heading into the, the postseason. Yeah, I, I would agree that. I think that's the thing. I think that is the catalyst for the Giants is knocking off Philadelphia one of those times is going to be the difference between them, you know, being a higher seed or a lower seed because Philly, obviously, they're very, very good. 8-0 this year, um, you know, just absolutely crushing it. But the Giants are currently the fifth seed. Obviously, they could go up or down. Dallas is the sixth seed at 6-3. and three, And Washington is 4-5. and five. Also, you got you got to win both of those Washington games, in my opinion, because they've won three of their last four games. They lost to Minnesota, only 20-17, to 17, though. They beat the Bears, they beat the Packers, and they beat the Colts. Now, the Packers and Colts definitely not very good, but Washington is not scoring. Like, their their offense is really, really bad. In the last four games, they've scored 12 points, 23 points, 17 points, and 17 points. They're barely getting over 20 points a game. Um, you know, they lost a string of games before that. Lost four consecutive games before winning that one against the Bears. They scored 27, 8, 10, and 17. I mean, they, they might have one of the worst offenses in football, for being honest with you. So that really fits into what the Giants are trying to do in terms of rushing the passer, getting after the quarterback, um, and being very aggressive and limiting those those big plays downfield. So I feel confident the Giants can put together some pretty good offensive performances too. I really, but here's the thing. Do you think that the Giants need, like because the playoffs are very realistic, do you think they need to find a way to go and get an OBJ, go and get a free agent that can really bolster this team right now? Because, you know, I know we're still rebuilding. Maybe he wants a multi-year deal. Maybe there's other options that are cheaper um, or whatnot. But if the Giants want to be a serious playoff contender, do you think that there's a chance they want to add somebody like that to give them that extra boost? Because I think it's a legitimate conversation to have at this point, being the fact that it's it's real. Like the playoff picture is real for us. Like we are seven and two. We will probably be a wild card team realistically. Um, but if if we're actually trying to win games, we're gonna need a little bit more juice on the offensive side. So like that may suggest that the Giants take a take a shot at OBJ and maybe bring in some more support there. So what are you what are you thinking about that in terms of would you just keep it the same? Or are you trying to add a piece to help us through that through the gauntlet of uh, playoff teams? I mean, I'm a huge proponent of bringing back OBJ regardless. I want the Giants to sign him. I think it would be a great storybook ending to his career for it to, you know, end with the New York Giants where it started. I want to bring him home, man. And I think that will be a multi-year deal with whichever team he chooses to sign with. But the New York Giants right now 
I don't know if bringing OBJ in is going to make that much of an impact. Now, he might be able to make some sort of a slight impact during the playoffs, but in the regular season, there's almost no shot because he just got cleared to return to football activities this week. And then he said that he's going to take at least the next two weeks to kind of get his body back into football shape. So you're talking about him not being on the field for at least three more weeks if the Giants were to go ahead and sign him today. So he'd be missing all the way till week 13, maybe not even on the field until week 14, considering he still has to learn the playbook. So you're talking about a mid-December return or maybe even a late December return for Odell Beckham Jr. So when you're signing OBJ as the New York Giants, you're not signing him to make an impact and help you get into the playoffs. You're only signing him so he can help you win games in the playoffs and then build on that next year and the years following if it's a multi-year contract. So I don't know if OBJ is really going to land with the Giants. I'm hoping that he does. And I'm hoping that if he does sign with the Giants, he goes in there in the playoffs, catches a touchdown pass, makes an impact, helps the Giants win playoff games. That's always been OBJ's dream for New York. So I think there's definitely a shot that he gets signed, but realistically, he's going to come at a higher price tag than a lot of these other free agents sitting on the open market. There are low-key guys who can make an impact and play right now, immediately, within the next week or two, on the Giants roster, and they can be signed for probably a third or a quarter of the price as to what OBJ is going to request in his contract. So, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting debate there. Is it worth it for the Giants to go ahead and sign him? I believe yes, because of the long-term value. You're not just getting him for the rest of this season, but you're also looking into having him next year and the years following. But the Giants also might want to save what little money they still have this season and spend it on a guy who can get into the lineup immediately. Yeah, I mean, the, here's the thing. OBJ wanting a multi-year deal does not mean he's going to get one. In fact, I would bet against it because right now he's coming off his second ACL tear. Why on earth would any team be willing to give him a multi-year contract right now without ever seeing him play after the injury? You know what I mean? Like if I was another team, I'd say you play out the rest of the season, you make an impact, we'll give you a multi-year deal. I think that's what most teams are going to say. We'll build some incentive laden stuff into the deal, but he's not going to make much money. You know, he, he signed a really cheap deal with the Los Angeles Rams last year to finish that season. And he tore his ACL. You know what I mean? Like if you're signing OBJ, you're probably paying him like under a million dollars for the rest of the season, maybe a million maximum. Cause like you said, he's barely going to play. You probably don't even pay him a million dollars. He's going to play what weeks like 13 to 17 and then over 13 to 18 and then he barely plays because he's getting in into football shape he's getting into the groove and then he plays in the postseason maybe you know depending on what team he chooses so it's like you know you're really not getting him for that much time and I, and he's coming off a big injury i'd say you know we'll build incentives into your deal we'll sign you to a one year or the rest of the season and then we'll talk if we'll see how your impact is but why on earth, if you're a general manager, would you lock OBJ down to a multi-year deal coming off his second ACL tear and hasn't played football in a year? You know what I mean? That That's just bad management. That's just like hoping for the best um, and, and bad money allocation. So because he wants it does not mean it's going to happen. I think he probably comes in a little bit cheaper than you think. And the Giants will ultimately have to uh, restructure a contract. And that's probably going to have to be Kenny Galladay's, which is really unfortunate because there's nobody else to restructure. Uh, but you know, maybe they just added, they, they probably just end up having to add a void year, um, at the end for like four or $5 million and they just eat it down the road. Um, and that's just what ultimately has to happen. And, and they, that's what, that's what they do. So we'll see what happens here. My friends, definitely interested to hear your thoughts and perspectives about, you know, Kenny Galladay's situation, his quotes, and obviously the giants playoff picture. And do you think they should be adding someone really bolstering the roster through the free agent market to prepare for that. There's definitely a good argument to, to do so, but I'm always happy to hear perspectives in the YouTube comments below. Make sure to enjoy the rest of your day. Like, subscribe. We'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode.